so glad you've chosen to make this service a part of your schedule. We know it'll be a blessing to you. Thank you for joining in this evening. Why don't we stand together tonight, and uh, we're going to pray over the service. Certainly, Kids Church is going on upstairs. Pray over Kids Church. And then I have a, a couple of requests I want us to bring to the Lord this evening as well. First of all, uh, Sister Teresa Lodd and Sister Tanya are, are working with a family uh, whose son is, is having surgery tomorrow. God's given them an open door to this family uh, to share uh, just their, their testimony and to, to minister to this need. And their son, Christian, has, has been battling seizures and is, is, is having surgery tomorrow literally on his brain. And they've asked the church to pray. I believe God's moving in that situation and I believe he will work tomorrow during that surgery. Surgery, And then also this evening we've had a call uh, asking for prayer for three children named Armani, Bryston, and Annie. And so we want to remember those needs tonight as well. Would you help me pray and let's welcome the presence of the Lord here this evening. Jesus, we come before you with praise, thanksgiving. Lord, what an honor to be in your house. What an honor to be in your presence. And Lord, we know that... Where your spirit is, there is liberty. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. And so tonight we release our faith. We release our prayer, Lord. And we ask that you would move. Anoint in kids' church tonight. Anoint in this session tonight. Lord, let us leave changed by your word and by your spirit. We pray for Christian, Lord, for a healing touch. Be with him tomorrow during that procedure. Touch Armani and Bryston and Annie. Believe you're working. I believe you're moving. I believe there's all power in your name. I believe anything is possible. We praise you tonight, Jesus. We lift you up. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. If you'll clap your hands to the Lord by way of acknowledging his presence in the house. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated this evening. Thank God. I, I feel something stirring here tonight. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost, and rightfully so. One announcement tonight, one thing I want to remind you of, uh, not this coming weekend, but next, Brother Tim LeBlanc will be with us. He'll be here uh, that Saturday. Work. He, uh, if you remember, Brother Tim LeBlanc uh, is a music minister. He's worked with our group before. He's going to be working with the uh, praise team on Saturday, and then he'll be with us in the service leading worship that Sunday, October the 8th. So make a note. We'll have a great time in, in praise and worship with his ministry and the ministry of the praise team. Uh, always, always a blessing. And then I want to just say how thankful I am for our ministry team. Uh, here at Grace Church. We have a wonderful, wonderful ministry team. And Brother Ben Tier did such a marvelous job of breaking the bread of life on Sunday. I appreciate his ministry. Thankful for what God did here on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Always thankful for the moving of God's spirit. Hallelujah. I do want to uh, take your attention to the word of God tonight, and, and we'll dive into Bible study. If you'll if you'll begin turning and getting ready, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, as you're turning there, as you're kind of preparing your mind and spirit for the Word of God, I, I do want to set up our Bible study uh, like this and give credit where credit is due. There is a wonderful apostolic church, United Pentecostal Church in New Fredericton, which I believe is in New Brunswick, Canada, if I understand correctly. You, you probably heard of Brother Raymond Woodward. He was the pastor there for many years. And now it is pastored by Brother Jack Lehman, Pastor Jack Lehman. 
I was listening to podcasts, listening to some teaching of Brother Lehman, and uh, he did not use this as a text, but in his message that on that podcast, he referred to this text that I'm going to be reading and, and drew, of course, the general idea, the general applica- application from it. And when I heard it, when he, when he expounded upon this, it, my spirit was quickened. I felt like God spoke to me kind of what he would have us here tonight as a church. And so I'm, I'm taking it. I'm running with it. I, it is not a copy and paste. I'm not stealing his message. But I felt it was only fair to give you that background because my message tonight is heavily informed by the comments that Brother Lehman made on this passage of Scripture. And so I wanted to make that clear as we begin. But again, I'm not copying and pasting. I've taken it and I feel like God has given me a word for our church uh, from this passage. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and we'll read verses 12 through 13. Just two verses of Scripture, 2 Corinthians. Furthermore, uh, this is Paul talking, furthermore... When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Very important. A door was opened unto me of the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from there into Macedonia. And so from this passage tonight... I would like to title this this message, this presentation, in the form of a question, Where is Titus? Look at your neighbor and say, Where is Titus? How many of you have ever been driving down the road and um, your, your attention is caught by one of those real clever church sign sayings you know what I'm talking about they'll put something on the church sign more than just we're having church on Sunday but they'll put a little saying on there that's uh that grabs your attention they range from clever right all the way to corny yep that's right some of them are downright cringy yes right so I was looking into this I was looking into the to the of course, you can find them online, these, these church signs and the sayings they go, that, that they have. And there's several good ones. So, so one is, um, is this. It says, are you looking for a lifeguard? Ours walks on water. That's all right. Pretty good. One church sign, I guess they realized we're in a social media age. They put on their sign, it said, tweet others as you would be tweeted. Pretty clever. I'd put that in the clever category, Allison, I think. No? I'm getting those. You have to be careful because you can easily go into dad joke territory. I understand this. Another one I read said, uh, said, never lose hope. Moses was once a basket case. That's a dad joke there. But my favorite, this is my favorite. Are you ready? My favorite church sign that I saw when I was doing my research just says this. It says, If your life stinks, we have a pew for you. That's pretty good. Look at your neighbor and tell them, if your life stinks, we have a pew for you. We might make a little song out of that, Brother Kelton. We have a pew for you. But there's one church sign. I know you've seen it. I know you've seen it. Everybody's seen it. Saying on a church sign. 
that I want to use tonight as my introduction. And I'm going to show it to you on the screen, but it's not, I'm not going to show you the church sign because I found a vintage church postcard that I like better that had the same saying on it. So put it on the screen for me. If you got it. What's missing in you are? Right? Get it? What's missing in you are? If you put you are in you get church. What's missing in church? You are. Tell your neighbor, what's missing in church? You are. So I'm not preaching tonight about our physical attendance. I'm not suggesting that we are missing physically from church. But I do say that when it comes to being involved in the ministry of the church, when it comes to participating and serving leadership opportunities here at Grace Church specifically, what's missing? Well, the answer might be, you are. If you aren't actively participating at some level in the ministry, in the mission of Grace Church, we need you. We need you. Because everyone has a role to fulfill in the body of Christ. I want to encourage you tonight, there is something that everyone can do. To be involved in the building up of the kingdom. I like to say it this way. In the building up of the kingdom as it is manifested through the local church right here at Grace. And so from the beginning tonight, my my premise is this. My premise is this. The greatest ability is dependability. The greatest ability is dependability. We had a a session Sunday morning with the JV team. Uh, We're kind of... Uh, getting them back kind of organized and getting them back on track and, and releasing them to do some ministry. And, um, and I told them this Sunday, I said, the greatest ability is dependability. Used to, we said, the greatest ability is availability. That was, that was kind of the, the saying. And, and, and it's true. We have to be available. There's no doubt. But we've come to a point in society where I would take it a step further and say it's not enough just to be available. We have to be dependable. Because, see, we live in a society where, you know, even employers are having a hard time finding employees that are dependable. Relationships. It's, you know, people aren't dependable even in relationships anymore, even in, in, in uh, families and marriages. It's hard to find dependability. But when it comes to the church, the greatest ability that we could offer God is our dependability. Uh, because it's, it's, as you know, the church is more than, than just an organization. It's more than just a, uh, it's not just a social club. It's, it is, somebody said, the local church is the hope of the world. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about uh, people's lives being saved from eternal judgment. And so our showing up, our being dependable, our being found when the call comes is extraordinarily important. Showing up when there's an opportunity, being faithful to our serve teams and ministry areas, being that person that can be counted on to be there for follow-through. 
uh, there's a great example right here in our church. I, I, I'm excited to share it and tell you about it. But uh, as you know, on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, our youth group meets for prayer in the Alexander Center. And uh, we started that. We actually made a year of prayer meetings on Sunday morning with our youth group in July. So now over a year, uh, we have been uh, meeting for prayer. Early on, from the very beginning, a group of parents got together and said, you know what? If these young people are going to be praying at 9 o'clock, they probably need some breakfast before they go to Sunday school. And so this team, it just like this organic serve team came together organically. Is what I'm trying to say. This serve team came together organically. And every Sunday morning, they've got a team. They've got a menu. They've got a schedule. And they, they serve these kids breakfast every Sunday morning before they go to Sunday school. It's dependability. We don't, we don't ever ask, are you going to be there next Sunday with food? We don't, we don't ever say, hey, you got that covered or what's on the menu? These folks have taken it on themselves and have just run with it. And it works beautifully. It's dependable. Sunday in, Sunday out, ministering to those needs of those young people. And you might say, well, you know, what's serving breakfast? You know, how is, how is that helping the kingdom of God? You never know. You never know what student might come to that prayer meeting. And because the doors were open and there was a, a breakfast served, what that young person may turn out to be in the kingdom of God. You never know what an impact you have. So it's important that we're dependable. It's important that we show up. I heard of one guy that told his pastor, said, Pastor, the answer is yes. Just give me the question. You know, what do you want me to do? That kind of can-do attitude says that says I'm a leader the church can depend on. And so I'm, I, I wrote it like this. I said it like this. For the church to flow at maximum capacity, for God to do all that he desires, everyone must be working together for the same goal, moving in the same direction, and dependably fulfilling their unique role and ministry in the church. It's important that we show up. It's important that we are dependable. It's important that we serve. It's important that we minister to the kingdom and through the kingdom of God. So Paul, consider with me Paul in this text tonight. Paul, of course, the missionary's missionary, the, the preacher's preacher, the, the guy that everywhere he goes, revival follows. I mean, the, he planted church all, churches all over the known world, a powerful man of God. When he went places, things happened. As an example of his ministry, let me just read you what, uh, what Romans 15, 19 says. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That's Paul talking. Through power, through the Spirit, through signs and wonders, Paul goes and preaches fully the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power. Paul was a powerful man. Paul knew how to walk through doors of opportunity. He knew how to, when God closed doors, to walk away and go where the Spirit was leading. Paul knew something about ministry and walking through open doors. And this Paul, the man that ministered in power, the man that preached fully the gospel, writes to the Corinthians that when he came to Troas to preach the gospel, he found there an open door. He's ready. 
The door's open. He knows what's about to happen because God has used him time and time again. But there was a problem when he got there. He's in Troas. The door is open, but there's a big problem. Titus is missing. Titus cannot be found. Now, a little study, a little backstory, you find Titus had been sent by Paul to deliver a corrective letter to the Corinthians. So Paul was going to straighten some things out with them, and he sent a letter. This was before email and uh, video chat and all that. So he sends a letter by the hands of Titus to the Corinthians, correcting them in some error. And the idea and the plan was that Paul and Titus would meet in Troas. And there Titus would report to Paul how the Corinthians received the letter. And let him know, let Paul know how things went. But for some reason that we do not know, Titus doesn't show up. He doesn't make the rendezvous point. His, uh, he, he forgot to check his text messages. Uh, you know, maybe it's, he forgot to charge his cell phone and Paul couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, whatever it was, they did not meet in Troas. And because, and Paul tells us in the, in the passage, because he could not find Titus, he had no rest in his spirit. So, so the anxiety of wondering how did the Corinthians receive my letter and the absence of Titus together robbed Paul of the ability to walk through that open door that he found and whatever harvest awaited in Troas. Some of the commentaries will, t will, will put it like this. Paul could not proceed with the opportunity. That's what one commentary I read after said. He could not proceed with the opportunity. Another one said his hopes were dashed because Titus was missing. And Paul tells us, he said, I, I didn't go through the open door. I went on and moved on to Macedonia. I went somewhere else. Because Titus was missing. Where was Titus? We don't know, but he wasn't where he was supposed to be. So understand tonight, for the church to operate at the level God desires, everyone is needed. Everyone is important. Don't assume tonight that you're not needed. Don't assume tonight that somebody else will do it or take care of it. It is important that you show up. For God to fully accomplish all he wants to do at Grace Church, it is important that he can count on you and he can count on me to do our part in the church. Now, to be sure, Titus was a vital part of the New Testament Ministry, No question. Paul refers to him later in 2 Corinthians as my fellow helper. Paul writes a letter addressed to Titus. And in that letter, he calls Titus my own son after the common faith. We know Titus accompanied Paul on many numerous missionary and ministry journeys. He ultimately did meet Paul with the news in Macedonia. And Paul reports that it gave him great comfort to know that the Corinthians received the letter as they should have and took corrective action. So Titus was a valuable member of the New Testament church. I'm not downplaying Titus at all. But I will tell you this, the moment in Troas was lost because Titus was not there. 
And I wonder what could God have done through that open door, through Paul, if Titus had been in place, if Titus had not been missing. And it's, it's that what could be that's so troubling. It's that what could be that, that haunts you. What could have happened? What, what, what church could have been established there? What souls could have been saved? What impact to the kingdom of God could have been found? Had Titus showed up. So I ask you tonight, what if, what could God do if everyone showed up and did their part? What could happen if we were strong on follow through and dependability? That, that feeling and that, that willingness to say, I'm committed to my serve team. I'm dependable for those students. I will be counted on to be in my place serving on Sunday. And when we're not there, what is forever lost in terms of ministry moments and ministry opportunities when we're not there? So I ask tonight, where is Titus? Where is Titus? Titus, God needs you. The kingdom needs you more than you may realize. And so I want to remind you again tonight. That the kingdom of God, the local church, as the kingdom is expressed through the local church, is still worth showing up for. It's still worth investing in. The church cannot be taken for granted or casually ignored. Why? Because the church is God's agenda for the world. And I want you to consider this. The church is the one thing in life that in this life that is indestructible. The church is indestructible. And it will live on for all eternity. And so will your role in it. Think about that. Whatever part you play, whatever contribution you make to the church will live on for all eternity. And so the church is worth investing in. It's worth giving your life to. After all, that's what Jesus did. And it's because the church is the hope of the world. It's because the church is the one true uh, absolute that can point souls to eternal salvation that God has established. And we are privileged to be a part of that. We are privileged to be a part of that. So do you mean to tell me all of this time y'all couldn't hear me? All of that fantastic content. I got to start over. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me go back. (laughs) Anybody got time? Man, where was I? I was doing good. We are privileged is what I'm saying. To invest our lives, it is worth showing up for it is worth being present for we are building something so much bigger than ourselves that will last for eternity that's the point I'm trying to make so let's talk a little bit about the church let's talk about God's idea for the church and then we're going to funnel down and talk about our role in the church and hopefully bring this to a place that we can we can apply it in our lives. So let's first of all look at how God designed the church and what He intends for the church. We tend to think of the church as what? A building. 
a campus, this physical structure. That's kind of what we think of often when we think of church. I know that some people, I know of some people that have said or feel like that inviting people to church is soul winning. Now, inviting to people to church can be a form of soul winning. I'm not downplaying that. But whether or not a person ever comes to church doesn't limit God's ability to minister to them through you because you are the church and I am the church. So whether they ever come to the building, whether they ever come to the campus, hopefully they do. But if they don't, this is not the church in that sense. You and I are the church. And so the original, the original Greek word for the church is ekklesia. Ekklesia, and it's used 114 times in the New Testament. Here's a definition of ekklesia. An assembly of free citizens who are called out of their homes to assemble together for matters of public interest. That was the original definition of the original Greek word. An assembly of citizens called out to, of their homes to assemble together for matters of public interest. So the church, it's not only that we're called out, we are, but we're called out to assemble. We're assembled, and sometimes that's in this building, but sometimes it may not be. And of all the times that the word church is used, the word ecclesia is used in the New Testament, it's never, not once, used to refer to a building or a campus. So let me give you a couple of for instances. For instance, in Acts it says, the Lord added to the church. The Lord added to the church. Another place it says, Herod vexed the church. Another place it says, the church was persecuted. None of that can apply to a building. Right? The building wasn't persecuted. Herod didn't vex the building. God didn't add to the building. It's talking about the people. It's talking about you and I. I'll say it this way. I'll come to it in a minute. But I'll just say the body of Christ. It's talking about us. The called out ones. Called out to assemble. There's no way it could apply to a building. It applied to people. I like to use the term community. I, I like that word. It's gotten a lot of traction here in the last several years. Maybe a decade or two. Referring to churches, church as a community of believers. I, I like that. I think that's a good way to say it. A community of called out ones. Ecclesia is the word. There's another word we find in the New Testament used to refer to the church. And it's a little bit different. It's not, it's not quite so tangible or uh, quite so uh, 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 literal, I guess. You kind of have to think a little deeper about this one. This word is called quinonia in the Greek. Quinonia. And it's a little difficult to define, but one definition I found is this. Participative sharing in common religious commitment. So notice those words, very intentional. Participative, right? We participative, participate, sharing in common religious commitment. So the body of believers participating together in common commitment. Uh, the word gets at these ideas in English. Communion, fellowship. Sharing, participation, you get the idea. Community again, you get the idea. So I'll say it like this. Ecclesia is who we are. Quinonia is what we do. The fellowship, the action, uh, participating in the ministry of the church. Ecclesia is who we are. Quinonia is what we do. Uh, it's when we worship together, fellowship together, minister together. Uh, you can find the word all throughout the New Testament, but let me give you three references uh, to give you an idea of what it's talking about. 
and how we can apply it in the church. So first in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul writing, um, he says, if there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship, that's the word there, quinonia, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. So the, the idea of quinonia here that we harvest is unity. The church was unified and should be unified. Another example is found in Philemon 1.17. He says, if thou count me therefore a partner, there's quinonia there, receive him, that is, uh, receive him as myself. He's writing to Philemon to receive Onesimus to himself. So he's getting out here is acceptance. All are welcome in the body of Christ. All are welcome to come to church. Be accepting uh, and do the ministry of the church. 2 Corinthians 8 and 4 uh, gives us the idea of giving, praying, he says, with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship, quinonia, of the ministering of the saints. So here, the idea of giving. And these are just three examples. There's many, many more, but we harvest from this unity, acceptance, giving. These are important characteristics of the body of Christ as it's meant to function. So, ecclesia, quinonia, the body of Christ, functioning as a, as a unit, participating together in the ministry of the kingdom of God. When we put all that together, what we see is this. What we see is this. We see God's ideal for the church. When he established the church, this is what he had in mind. A few points here. First of all, church as a spiritual necessity. Church is necessary. And, and that gets back to what I was saying a minute ago. It's, it's important that we're a part of it and that we participate in it. It is necessary. It is the hope of the world. It is salvation uh, and, and a, a, a constant in an ever-changing world. Uh, God's ideal for the church, interdependence is valued. We need one another in the body of Christ. God's ideal for the church, spirituality takes place in community. There's that word again, together we're growing. And if, if one member falls back, we, we encourage them and, and bring them along with us and help push them forward and propel them forward as they grow the body of Christ. It's a community spurring one another to good works. The church and God's ideal is one of active involvement. Again, talked a little bit about that where all participate. Uh, a place where all people are fully accepted together. And finally, God's ideal, authentic behavior. In other words, we're, we're real. We're not hypocrites. We, we, we come with, with everything good and bad and lay it at the altar and allow God to work in our lives. That's what God intended for the church. But when we begin to think of the church as just a physical location, and we begin to think of the church as just an optional activity, and we, we, we can give ourselves to it when we have time or when we feel like it or when it's convenient, we get, um, we get a warped and distorted view of the church, and then this is what Actually, sometimes people view the church as in a distorted way. That church is an optional activity. That individualism is valued. That I can just do it my way. I can, I can show up when I want to show up. Kind of. I heard somebody say one time, me and Jesus have our own thing going. 
you know, no, you don't. You know, that's, that's not true. You need the church. But, but, but a distorted view of church says it's individual. I can do it my own way. Uh, says that spirituality is a private matter. Um, and, you know, again, just between me and God, God's got, got a thing. Uh, uh, me and God have our own thing going. Uh, not connected to the needs of the real world. Uh, you know, a social club or a clique. These would all be... These would all be views of the church that are erroneous and uh, distorted when we don't have a proper view of the church as God meant it to be. So as I, as I try to, to bring it in sharper focus into our role in the body of Christ, this erroneous view and erroneous views like this can reduce church membership it can reduce church membership to simply adding your name to the role with no requirements or expectations, right? It can reduce church membership to just adding your name to the role with no requirements or expectations. But to the Apostle Paul and the other apostolic fathers, being a member of the church, being a vital part of the body, an indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ was what we were meant to be. And so let me draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul imparts some truths about how you and I are to fulfill our role in church by comparing our role in the church to the body and how every organ of the body has a vital role to fulfill. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read it all. It's, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 27. But let me just hit a couple of highlights. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are as one body, so also is Christ. For the body is not one member but many, verse 14. And verse 27, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So just in general terms, painting with a broad brush here, Paul is, is saying some things about the body of Christ. He's saying each member has a different function. He's saying that no uh, one member can function alone. He's saying each member's uh, contribution is important. And a properly functioning body operates as a single unit, unity, unified. These are important things for the church to function properly. Um, we understand also more about how the church is to operate, the body of Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, I am going to read that passage to you quickly and make some observations. The Bible says this is the early church, book of Acts, established Acts chapter 2. Uh, early on, this, we draw some observations about how it was meant to proceed and to function. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all, had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every, as every man had need. And they continuing daily, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God 
and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church as much as should be saved. So let me just draw some conclusions from this and some some generalities. Uh, The functioning body of Christ in Acts chapter 2 valued the teaching of the word of God. They had fellowship with other believers. They were committed to prayer. Uh, They were committed to be a testimony of God's grace and power. Uh, They were available for mutual assistance in ministry. They reached out into the community and they glorified and praised God. All of these things are vital. And all of these things in a, in, a, in a local church, some of us, somebody can, can function in some area of those things. Somebody can pray. Somebody can organize the fellowship. Somebody can be available to reach out to the community. Somebody can see to it that needs are met. Somebody can pray and worship and glorify God. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a role. So let me... Let me take it a little further here. We all have a, every member has a role to play in the body and all are vital. Or all are vital. Anyone can attend church. Anyone can be an attender, right? All are welcome. All are welcome at Grace Church. I tell our, our Grace Steps folks, attendees, anybody is welcome at Grace Church. We, we, are, we have open doors uh, for folks to come and attend. But there is a big difference and being an attender, and being a member of the body, and that difference is commitment and dependability. Let me say it this way. Attenders are spectators from the sidelines, but members get involved in ministry. Attenders are consumers, but members are contributors. Attenders want the benefits of a church without the sharing of responsibility, but members put the church at the center of their lives. So again, I'll tell you, you have a God-given purpose in the body of Christ. You're not meant to just attend. It's more than just showing up and, and sitting on that pew. You know, I'm not implying that your life stinks, but you do have a pew. It's actually a chair. It's more than just being casually interested, more than just showing up and sitting on, on your, in your seat and in the pew. Your role in the kingdom of God is one of active participation in the ministry of the church. There is something that only you can do. So I say tonight, join a serve team. Get involved. Attend a prayer meeting. Come early for prayer. To, you know, come early to church for prayer. Step across the aisle and introduce yourself to someone that you may not know, uh, had not known before. And when God gives you a passion or a calling or a burden to be involved, take action. Take action. Here at Grace, here at Grace, we have a process to move from attender to member to leader. And it's called Grace Steps. In fact, we've got some folks going through Grace Steps right now. We're we're running some classes on Grace Steps. And so tonight, wherever you find yourself, attender, member, leader, I encourage you, take the next step. Get involved. Now is not the time to go missing, Titus. Now is not the time to not be dependable. There's too much at stake. The hour is too late. God is counting on the church. You know, I I believe we're privileged to be a part of the church in this hour. You know, God could have chosen anybody to be the church at this hour, but he chose you and me. 
That means it is in our best interest to be dependable. It's in our best interest to do our part. It's in our best interest to show up big and see what God wants to do through us in this hour, in this day. The church needs you to be involved and the kingdom needs you to be present. You know, we, we've all observed, we've all done it, no doubt. We've all observed, it's, it's easy. We go to, a, to a, a conference or a youth camp or a general conference uh, or maybe just a great, really awesome altar service here at Grace Church and we, we, we get fired up. That, that fire of passion gets ignited in, in us. And we're like, yes, Lord, yes. I'll, tell me what you want me to do. I'll do it. You know, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's build the kingdom. And, um, and that's good. That's awesome. That's, that's what we want. But oftentimes we don't take that next step. We don't do anything with it. And the days run together. The weeks run together. And all of a sudden months have gone by. And we've, we've lost that, that fire that was kindled. We've lost that vision that was kindled. And so I challenge us tonight, if, if, you, if you feel that, if you feel passion, if you feel the kingdom, if you feel God talking to you about the kingdom of God, take that next step. Take that next step. Get involved with a, with a, with a serve team. Take the next step in grace steps uh, and, and get involved. But, but as an example, I wanted to share tonight, I'm so excited, I'm so excited uh, about, about what our students are doing. You know, I, I told Pastor the other day, said, um, said that uh, this summer, our students have been, um, I mean, they've just gone from one camp to the next, one Congress to the next, one uh, youth rally to the next, one youth service to the next, you know, and, and that's wonderful. That's awesome. We've done everything we could to take them and get them there. That's what we want. But as I've just described, sometimes you go and you get real fired up in the summer at youth camp, and then when school starts back, you know, that's a distant memory and all of a sudden you're, you got the worries of the world and your homework and your friends and all, the, all this pulling at you and, and all of that is forgotten. I'm so excited tonight to tell you that is not the case with our students. They are taking all of that that they have, that they have gleaned this summer, all of the presence of God, all of the vision, all of the, the uh, calling, all of the ministry, and they're doing something with it. They're doing something about it. Amen. Amen. So let me tell you, let me tell you just a little bit here. A lot of this is breaking news. Some of this I just found out tonight before church. Some, some of it I knew, or knew a little bit about it but didn't know how well they were doing. Uh, P7 Bible Clubs. Now let me tell you, somebody said P7 stands for Pentecostal 7. That is not true. It does not stand for Pentecostal. P7 stands for Project 7. And the idea is that starting at 6th grade, all the way through the 12th grade, that's seven years of grades that you could, if you started in sixth grade in your middle school, having Bible clubs, apostolic Bible clubs, you would have seven years of kind of a project to bring the gospel to your campus, bring the gospel to your friends. And so a lot was said this summer at camp and at Youth Congress about P7 Bible clubs. So let me tell you uh, what's going on with P7 Bible clubs. Braylon has started a P7, Project 7 Bible Club at Central High School. He had his first meeting this past Monday. They had 11 in attendance, and Braylon says they had a time of prayer. Then they had Bible study, and everybody had a good time. I think that's a fantastic start for a Project 7 Bible class. Um, and you're talking about 
I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to say too much and discourage them. I, I want to say it in the right way. You know, you're walking onto a secular campus with your Bible under your arm saying, I'm going to, to pro proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That takes a lot of anointing. It takes a lot of, of, of hard work. Thank you, Braylon, for doing such a good job and letting God use you. Uh, Lainey Taylor, her P7 Bible Club starts tomorrow. Her first one will be tomorrow over at STEM Academy at Point Capee. She's worked very hard, actually all summer long, to get the principal on board and get some things in place. And they're ready to go. Their first meeting will be tomorrow. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be praying for her, proud of her, and that's awesome. And then Garrett told me that tonight he is working on getting a P7 Bible Club established at Central Middle School and he has gotten the teacher sponsor that is required and now he's just waiting on final approval from the principal and that one will be starting in the middle school so I'm proud that even not just high school but also in middle school these students are doing something for God this is what I'm talking about when I say that we have to show up and do what God has placed in our heart to do if he's given you a burden he's given you a passion that's a good indicator that that's a good place for you to start serving and doing something with the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so uh, last, I wanted to talk a little bit about Allison Montgomery. Now she's at LSU and keep in mind, this is her first semester. She is a freshman at Louisiana State University. Are they up to what, 35,000 students, I'm guessing, something like that. And uh, at LSU, so on the college level, they don't call it P7, they call it Campus Ministry International, CMI. Allison is the secretary of the CMI chapter at LSU, Apostolic United Pentecostal uh, Organization. Already, just a few weeks into the semester, they have done several outreach activities, including a service project. They've handed out flower, flyers, and they've had a strong presence uh, telling people about their club at the Fall Fest. They teach on their weekly meetings on Tuesday nights. They teach on the oneness of God. Why the Bible is the ultimate source of truth and so much more. They've had at least one new member come each week. And the largest gathering they've had so far this semester was 21 students. In total, they have 49 students who have committed to being a part of CMI. God has already given revelation and understanding to many of these students. And I think that's worthy of a hand clap on a college campus. 35,000 young people. There's a group of almost 50 that are declaring the gospel to anyone that is listening. So there's no opportunity uh, that should be overlooked. There's no opportunity that you shouldn't explore. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. So tonight in closing, I ask, where is Titus? Where is Titus? And tonight, I hope the answer is not missing. Titus is busy working for the kingdom of God, dependably doing the work that he and she are called to do, functioning in their unique role in the body of Christ. That's where Titus can be found, doing what only they can do. Charles Spurgeon, of course, was an amazing preacher from over a century ago and had a tremendous church, New Park Street Church, they called it, New Park Street Church. And he would, he would often receive visitors that wanted to see the church and take a, a little tour around the campus. And he would inevitably, on that, on that tour of showing visitors around, he would take them to the basement. And that, there they would see 
prayer warriors on their knees on a 24-hour prayer chain for that church. And Spurgeon would tell them. He would tell the people, he was, the visitors, he would say, this is the powerhouse of the church. And so I agree. Prayer is undoubtedly the powerhouse of the church. But I'd like to add to that tonight. The prayer warriors, the serve team members, uh, the, 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 the folks that are involved in the ministry of the church. Every part, from the youngest to the oldest, no matter how little it may seem or how great it may seem, all of our leaders and ministry folks, you are the powerhouse of Grace Church. Without uh, the Tituses showing up week in and week out, we could not do what we do here at Grace Church. God could not do what He wants to do through Grace Church. So this, then, is the powerhouse of the church. So as you stand with me tonight... There's one other church sign that I want to tell you about. One other church sign that I came across, marquee, and this is what it said. It said, Jesus is coming, look busy. And so that's our word tonight. Jesus is coming soon. He's matched us with this hour. He's matched us with this moment. He's given us an amazing church, an amazing door of opportunity. Let's be busy about the Father's business. What do you say? Amen. Let's pray together tonight. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging me tonight. Lord, I want to do more. I want to be committed. I want to be present. I want to be dependable. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. God, and we pledge tonight, we commit tonight to do everything we can to see the kingdom of God established in this community, through this church. God, anoint us. Give us favor. Give us passion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. Don't forget the service Sunday. We love you. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. God bless you.